are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. Consciousness is the quality or state of being aware of an external object or something within oneself. It has been defined as Subjectivity, awareness, the ability to experience or to feel, wakefulness, having a sense of selfhood, and the executive control system of the mind. Despite the difficulty in definition, many philosophers believe that there is a broadly shared underlying intuition about what consciousness is. Philosophers, since the time of Descartes and Locke, have struggled to comprehend the nature of consciousness and pin down its essential properties. Issues of concern in the philosophy of consciousness include whether the concept is fundamentally valid whether consciousness can ever be explained mechanistically, whether non-human consciousness exists, and if so, how can it be recognized? How consciousness relates to language, and whether it may ever be possible for computers or robots to be conscious. The hardest issue to resolve is whether consciousness can be understood in a way that does not require a dualistic distinction between mental and physical states or properties. In recent years, consciousness has become a significant topic of research in psychology 
and neuroscience. The primary focus is on understanding what it means biologically and psychologically for information to be present in consciousness, that is, on determining the neural and psychological correlations of consciousness. The majority of experimental studies assess consciousness by asking human subjects for a verbal report of their experience. Example, tell me if you notice anything when I do this. Issues of interest include phenomena such as subliminal perception, blind sight, denial of impairment, and altered states of consciousness produced by psychoactive drugs or spiritual or meditative techniques. In medicine, consciousness is assessed by observing a patient's arousal and responsiveness and can be seen as a continuum of states ranging from full alertness and comprehension through disorientation, delirium, loss of meaningful communication, and finally, loss of movement in response to painful stimuli. Issues of practical concern include how the presence of consciousness can be assessed in severely ill, comatose, or anesthetized people, and how to treat conditions in which consciousness is impaired or disrupted. The philosophy of the mind has given rise to many stances regarding consciousness. Any attempt to impose an organization on them is bound to be somewhat arbitrary. Most writers on the philosophy of consciousness have been concerned to defend a particular point of view and have organized their material accordingly. For surveys, the most common approach is to follow a historical path by associating stances with philosophers who are most strongly associated with them. For example, Descartes, Locke, Kant. The main alternative is to organize philosophical stances according to the answers they give to a set of basic questions about the nature and status of consciousness. Is consciousness a valid concept? Philosophers and non-philosophers differ in their intuitions about what is consciousness. While most people have a strong intuition for the existence of what they refer to as consciousness, skeptics argue that this intuition is false 
either because the concept of consciousness is intrinsically incoherent or because our intuitions about it are based in illusion. For example, argued that traditional understanding of consciousness depends on our Cartesian dualist outlook that improperly distinguishes between mind and body or between mind and world. Many philosophers have argued that consciousness is a unitary concept that is understood intuitively by the majority of people in spite of the difficulty in defining it. Others, though, have argued that the level of disagreement about the meaning of the word indicates that it either means different things to different people or else is an umbrella term encompassing a variety of distinct meanings with no simple elements in common. The first influential philosophers to discuss this question specifically was Descartes, and the answer he gave is known as Cartesian dualism. Descartes proposed that consciousness resides within an immaterial domain he called res cognitans, the realm of thought, in contrast to the domain of material things, which he called res extensa, the realm of extension. He suggested that the interaction between these two domains occur inside the brain. Although it is widely accepted that Descartes explained the problem, the problem cognitively, a few later philosophers have been happy with his solution. Alternative solutions, however, have been very diverse. They can be divided broadly into two categories. Dualist solutions that maintain Descartes' rigid distinction between the realm of consciousness and the realm of matter, but give different answers for how the two realms relate to each other, and monist solutions that maintain there is really only one realm of being of which the consciousness and matter are both aspects. Each of these categories itself contains numerous variants. The two main type of dualisms are substance dualism, which holds that the mind is formed of a distinct type of substance not governed by the law of physics, and property dualism, which holds that the laws of physics are universally valid but cannot be used to explain the mind. The three main types of monoism are one, physicalism, which holds that the mind consists of matter organized 
in a particular way. 2. Idealism, which holds that only thought truly exists and matter is merely an illusion. And 3. Neutral monism, which holds that both mind and matter are aspect of a distinct essence that itself identical to neither of them. Since the dawn of Newtonian science, with its vision of simple mechanical principles governing the entire universe, some philosophers have been tempted by the idea that consciousness could be explained in purely physical terms. At the same time, computer scientists working in the field of artificial intelligence have pursued the goal of creating digital computer programs that can simulate or embody consciousness. Many philosophers consider experience to be the essence of consciousness and believe that experience can only fully be known from the inside, subjectively. But if consciousness is subjective and not visible from the outside, why do the vast majority of people believe that other people are conscious, but rocks and trees are not. This is called the problem of other minds. It is particularly acute for people who believe in the possibility of philosophical zombies. That is, people who think it is possible, in principle, to have an entity that is physically indistinguishable from a human being and behaves like a human being in every way but nevertheless lacks consciousness. The most commonly given answer is that we attribute consciousness to other people because we see that they resemble us in appearance and behavior. We reason that if they look like us and act like us, they must be like us in other ways, including having experiences of the sort that we do. There are, however, a variety of problems with that explanation. For one thing, it seems to violate the principle of parsimony by postulating an invisible entity that is not necessary to explain what we observe. Some philosophers argue that people who give this explanation 
do not really understand what they are saying. More broadly, philosophers who do not accept the possibility of zombies generally believe that consciousness is reflected in behavior, including verbal behavior, and that we attribute consciousness on the basis of behavior. A more straightforward way of saying this is that we attribute experiences to people because of what they can do, including the fact they can tell us about their experiences. The topic of animal consciousness is beset by a number of difficulties. It poses the problem of other minds in especially severe form, because animals, lacking the ability to express human language, cannot tell us about their experiences. Also, it is difficult to reason objectively about the question, because a denial that an animal is conscious is often taken to imply that it does not feel, that its life has no value, and that harming it is not morally wrong. Descartes, for example, has sometimes been blamed for the mistreatment of animals due to the fact that he believed only humans have a non-physical mind. Most people have a strong intuition that some animals, such as dogs, are conscious, while others, such as insects, are not. But the sources of this intuition are not obvious and cannot be proved. Philosophers who consider subjective experience the essence of consciousness also generally believe, as a correlate, that the existence and nature of animal consciousness can never rigorously be known. Could a machine ever be conscious? The idea of an artifact made conscious is an ancient theme of mythology, appearing, for example, in the Greek myth of Pygmalion, who carved a statue that was magically brought to life and in medieval Jewish stories of Gollum, a magically animated homunculus built of clay. However, the possibility of actually constructing a conscious machine was probably first discussed by Ada Lovelace in a set of notes written in 1842 about the analytical invention invented by Charles Babbage, a precursor that was never built, 
to modern electronic computers. Lovelace was essentially dismissive of the idea that a machine such as the analytical engine could think in a human-like way. She wrote, It is desirable to guard against the possibility of exaggerated ideas that might arise as to the powers of the analytical engine. The analytical engine has no pretension, whatever, to originate anything. It can do whatever we know how to order it to perform. It can follow analysis, but it has no power of anticipating any analytical relations or truths. Its province is to assist us in making available what we already are acquainted with. One of the most influential contributions to this question was an essay written in 1950 by pioneering computer scientist Alan Turning titled Computing, Machinery, and Intelligence. Turing disavowed any interest in terminology saying that even can machines think is too loaded with connotation to be meaningful. But he proposed to replace all such questions with a specific operational test, which has become known as the Turing test. To pass the test, a computer must be able to imitate a human well enough to fool interrogators. In his essay, Turing discussed a variety of possible objections and presented a counter-argument to each of them. The Turing test is commonly cited in discussions of artificial intelligence as a proposed criterion for machine consciousness. It has provoked a great deal of philosophical debate. For example, some argue that anything capable of passing the Turing test is necessarily conscious, while others argue that a philosophical zombie could pass the test yet fail to be conscious. Recently, in an exchange over what has become to be referred to as the Chinese room argument, John Cyril sought to refute the claim of proponents of what he calls strong artificial intelligence, that a computer program can be conscious, though he does agree with advocates of weak artificial intelligence that computer programs can be formatted to simulate conscious states. In his own view is that consciousness 
has subjective first-person causal powers by being essentially intentional due simply to the way human brains function biologically. Conscious persons can perform computations, but consciousness is not inherently computational the way computer programs are. To make a Turing machine that speaks Chinese, Searle gets in a room stocked with algorithms programmed to resign to respond to Chinese questions. An example, Turing machines programmed to correctly answer in Chinese questions asked in Chinese and he finds he's able to process the inputs to outputs perfectly without having any understanding of Chinese nor having idea any idea of what the questions and answers could possibly mean and this is all the current computer program could do if the experiments were done in English since Searle knows English he would be able to take questions and give answers without any algorithms for English questions and he would be effectively aware of what was being said and the purpose it might serve. Cyril passes the Turing test of answering the questions in both languages but he's only conscious of what he's doing when he speaks English. When he speaks Chinese he doesn't know what the answers are. Another way of putting the argument is to say computational computer programs can pass the Turing test for the processing of the syntax of language, but the semantics cannot be reduced to syntax in the way strong artificial intelligent advocates had hoped. Processing semantics is conscious and intentional because we use semantics to consciously produce meanings by what we say. For most philosophers, the word consciousness connotes the relationship between the mind and the world. To writers, on spiritual or religious topics, it frequently connotes the relationship between the mind and God, or the relationship between the mind and deeper truths that are thought to be more fundamental than the physical world. Krishna consciousness, for example, is a term used to mean an intimate language, linkage between the mind of a worshiper and the god Krishna. A mystical psychiatrist distinguished between three types of consciousness. Simple consciousness, which is awareness of the body possessed by many animals. Self-consciousness, which is awareness of being aware possessed by only humans and 
cosmic consciousness, which is awareness of the life and order of the universe possessed only by humans who are enlightened. There are scientific approaches. For many decades, consciousness as a research topic was avoided by the majority of mainstream scientists because of the general feeling that a phenomena defined in subjective terms could not properly be studied using objective experimental methods. Starting in the 1980s, an expanding community of neuroscientists and psychologists have associated themselves with a field called consciousness studies, given rise to a stream of experimental work published in books, journals such as Consciousness and Cognition, and methodological work published in journals and textbooks, along with regular conferences organized by groups such as the Association for the Scientific Study of Consciousness. Modern scientific investigations into consciousness are based on physiological, psychological experiments, including, for example, the investigation of priming effects using subliminal stimuli, and on case studies of alterations in consciousness produced by trauma, illness, or drugs. Broadly viewed, scientific approaches are based on two core concepts. The first identifies the content of consciousness with the experiences that are reported by human subjects. The second makes use of the concept of consciousness that has been developed by neurologists and other medical professionals who deal with patients whose behavior is impaired. In either case, the ultimate goals are to understand, to develop techniques for assessing consciousness objectively in humans as well as other animals, and to understand the neural and psychological mechanisms that underlie it. Experimental research on consciousness presents special difficulties due to a lack of universally accepted operational definitions. In the majority of experiments that are specifically about consciousness, the subjects are human and the criterion that is used is verbal report. In other words, subjects are asked to describe their experiences and their descriptions are treated as observations of contents of consciousness. Verbal report 
is widely considered to be the most reliable indicator of consciousness, but it raises a number of issues. For one thing, if verbal reports are treated as observations, akin to observation in other branches of science, then the possibility arises that they may contain errors. But it is difficult to make sense of the idea that subjects could be wrong about their own experiences, and even more difficult to see how much such an error could be detected. Some have argued for an approach that's called heterophenomenology, which means treating verbal reports as stories that may or may not be true. But this idea about how to do this have not been widely adapted. Another issue with verbal report as a criterion is that it restricts the field study to humans who have language. This approach cannot be used to study consciousness in other species, pre-linguistic children, or people with types of brain damage that impair language. As a third issue, philosophers who dispute the validity of the Turing test may feel that it is possible, at least in principle, for a verbal report to be disassociated from consciousness entirely. A philosophical zombie may give a detailed verbal report of awareness in the absence of any genuine awareness. Although verbal report is in practice the gold standard for ascribing consciousness, it is not the only possible criterion. In medicine, consciousness is assessed as a combination of verbal behavior, arousal, brain activity, and purposeful movement. The last three of these can be used as an indicator of consciousness when verbal behavior is absent. The scientific literature regarding the neural basis of arousal and purposeful movement is very extensive. Their reliabilities as indicators of consciousness is disputed, however, due to numerous studies that alert human subjects can be induced to behave purposefully in a variety of ways, in spite of reporting a complete lack of awareness. Studies of the neuroscience of free will have also shown that the experiences that people report when they behave purposefully sometimes do not correspond to their actual behaviors or to the patterns of electrical activity recorded from their brains. Others approach applies specifically to the study of self-awareness, that is the ability to distinguish oneself from others 
in the 1970s, Gordon Gallup developed an operational test for self-awareness, known as the mirror test. The test examines whether animals are able to differentiate between seeing themselves in a mirror versus seeing other animals. The classic example involves placing a spot of coloring on the skin or fur near the individual animal's forehead and seeing if they attempt to remove it or at least touch the spot thus indicating that they recognize that the individual they are seeing in the mirror is themselves. Humans older than 18 months and other great apes, bottlenose dolphins, pigeons, and elephants have all been observed to pass this test. The evolution of the capacity to simulate seems to have culminated in subjective consciousness. Why this should have happened to me, the most profound mystery facing modern biology, writes Richard Dawkins in The Selfish Gene. Since 1976, it has remained so. In 2004, neuroscientists felt it was too soon for a definition. They wrote, We have no idea how consciousness emerges from the physical activity of the brain, and we do not know whether consciousness can emerge from non-biological systems such as computers. At this point, Others will expect to find a careful and precise definition of consciousness. Those of you who expected this will be disappointed. Consciousness has not yet become a scientific term that can be defined in this way. Currently, we all use the term consciousness in many different and often ambiguous ways precise definition of different aspects of consciousness will emerge. But to make a precise definitions at this stage in humankind is premature. In contrast to philosophical definitions, an operational definition can be tested experimentally and it is useful for current research. A current definition for self-awareness proposed in the 1970s by Gordon Gallup was the mirror test. An operational definition proposed in 2012 states that consciousness is the sum of the electrical discharges occurring throughout the nervous system of a being at any given instant. What many consider consciousness may simply be 
the personal awareness of all the neurons delivering messages to the mind. But operational consciousness can include all neural activity. Extending this concept to all sentient beings, one can measure the range of consciousness based on how many and how powerfully neurons are actually firing, varying from worms to humans. One can answer the question, is someone asleep less conscious than someone thinking about a difficult problem? Although technology does not exist currently to measure this, it can be estimated by determining the oxygen consumption of the brain. States of Consciousness There are some states in which consciousness seems to be abolished, including sleep, coma, and death. There are a variety of circumstances that can change the relationship between the mind and the world in less drastic ways, producing what are known as altered states of consciousness. Some altered states occur naturally. Others can be produced by drugs or brain damage. Two of the most widely accepted altered states of consciousness are sleep and dreaming. Although dream sleep and non-dream sleep appear very similar to an outside observer, each is associated with a distinct pattern of brain activity, metabolic activity, and eye movement. Each is also associated with a distinct pattern of experience and cognition. During an ordinary non-dream sleep, people who are awakened report only vague and sketchy thoughts, and their experiences do not cohere into a continuous narrative. During dream sleep, in contrast, people who are awakened report rich and detailed experiences in which events form a continuous progression, which may, however, be interrupted by bizarre or fantastic intrusions. Thought processes during the dream state frequently show a high level of irrationality. Both dream and non-dream states are associated with severe disruption of memory. It usually disappears in seconds 
during the non-dream state, and in minutes after awakening from a dream unless actively refreshed. A variety of psychoactive drugs have notable effects on consciousness. These range from simple dulling of awarenesses produced by sedatives to increases in the intensity of sensory qualities produced by stimulants, cannabis, or most notably by the class of drugs known as psychedelics. LSD, mescaline, psilocybin, and others in this group can produce major distortions of perception, including hallucinations. Some users even describe their drug-induced experiences as mystical or spiritual in quality. The brain mechanisms underlying these effects are not well understood, but there is substantial evidence that alterations in the brain system that uses the chemical trans neurotransmitter serotonin play an essential role. There has been some research into physiological changes in yogis and people who practice various techniques of meditation. Some research with brain waves during meditation has reported differences between those corresponding to ordinary relaxation and those corresponding to meditation. It has been disputed, however, whether there is enough evidence to count these as physiological distinct states of consciousness. Introspectively, the world of conscious experience seems to have considerable structure. Immanuel Kant asserted that the world as we perceive it is organized according to a set of fundamental intuitions, which include object, we perceive the world as a set of distinct things, shape, quality, color, warmth, space, distance, direction, and location, and time. Some of these constructs, such as space and time, correspond to the way the world is structured by the laws of physics. For others, the correspondence is not as clear. Understanding the physical basis of qualities, such as redness or pain, has been particularly challenging. Some philosophers have argued that it is intrinsically unsolvable because qualities are ineffable. That is, they are raw fields incapable of being analyzed 
into component processes. Most psychologists and neurosurgeons have not accepted these arguments. Nevertheless, it is quite clear that the relationship between the physical entity such as light and a perceptual quality such as color is extraordinary complex and indirect as demonstrated by a variety of optical illusions. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. the sapphire planet own a piece of the planet now you can purchase sapphire planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com <laughs>